0: Our lesson today is entitled "Digging out the Wells, Digging out the Wells And uh, the scripture that we have I'm going to read number one and then move into our scripture text and if you look at the very number one here with us, the blessings of God upon Abraham went to Isaac after Abraham's death. Now, before I go into that part about Isaac, which is found in Genesis 26 there, I'm going to refer to a verse of Scripture here in Genesis chapter 13, and I'm just going to read this one verse to you and then move on here. A couple of verses I'll read. This is 13.2. It's not in your notes, but you can put it in there if you'd like. And this is about Abraham, and it says Abram, and that was his name before God changed it to Abraham. Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. Verse 6, and the land was not able to bear them. Speaking of he and his nephew Lot who traveled together throughout Palestine. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great. So that they could not dwell together. And so what happened? lot went one way and abraham went another way and uh, so forth now i want to talk to you a little bit about what abraham had and that was his walk with god abraham was a man that god had called and had put into his heart a desire to live for god and he walked with god and he served the lord and the lord said to abraham abraham if you will serve me and live for me and keep my commandments I will bless you, and I will bless you beyond measure. I will bless you beyond everybody else. And that's exactly what God did to Abraham. He began to bless him. He blessed him with his, his cattle began to multiply. His sheep began to multiply. His camels began to multiply. Uh, his donkeys began to multiply. Everything that he had would begin to multiply. And as they did, the need for wells To be dug, wherever they went for them to be watered had to be dug. And Abraham also had a large entourage of servants that they began to multiply. And God just blessed this man immensely. He became very rich in a land that he just sojourned in. He would be in one place like Bethel. Then he'd move and go to Beersheba. Then he'd go to another place called Dan. And he'd move to different places whenever he felt that God would have him to go from place to place. Wherever he went, he would build an altar unto God. And he would worship God, serve the Lord, offer sacrifices there. And he just kept being blessed abundantly. And he would dig these wells. And when he would dig the wells, the people of the land would say, there's no water here. You're not going to find anything in this part of the country. And he would hit water. He'd find water and water would come forth, and then they would be very surprised. So Abraham began to find all of these wells round about and everything, and that's how that his, his animals began to multiply because they always had water to drink and they could exist that way. Now, I'm going to go to the one that you have, the scripture that you have here, Genesis 26:12, and I'm going to read a couple of verses to you here. And uh, it says this, I'm reading verse 12 here. Then Isaac, now this is after Abraham had passed away and Isaac now received those blessings of God upon his life. And the Lord says that just as I have blessed Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Now look what it says here about Isaac. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year in hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great. Now, remember this, that Isaac had already inherited everything that Abraham had left him. Now, on top of that, he still was receiving these abundant blessings from God. And he goes on to say here, And the man waxed great, verse 13, and went forward and grew until he became very great. In other words, there's hardly words here to describe it. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds and great store of servants and the philistines envied him for all the wells this is the waters now the wells that abraham had dug all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of abraham his father the philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth in other words they said this man is blessed And it's because that these wells exist and they've got water. And so we're going to fill up the wells so the animals won't have water to drink. So they begin to do this. Now, I'm pointing all that out to you because this is what began to happen to to Isaac as he was just going about his life, living his life. God's blessings been poured out upon him. So what Isaac did, and we're going to number two here, Isaac began to redig the wells redig the wells look at verse 18 i'm still here in genesis 26 and if you will look with us here we're going to verse 18 here this is uh genesis 26:18 right here it says this and isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of abraham his father for the philistines had stopped them after the death of abraham and he called their names after the names by which his father had called, his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsman of Gerer, that's uh, another tribe of people, did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek because they strove with him and they digged another well this is isaac's servants now and they digged another well and strove for that also and he called the name of it Sitnah. do you understand what's happening here that whenever they dig these wells these people would say dear lord every time he digs a well it's, it's water and then they started saying no that's our that's our well that's our well that's when well. they'd strive for it and strove for it and Isaac just move on, and then his people would just dig another well. Rather than have fights and going, carrying on, he'd just leave it with them and go on. Look at verse 22 now. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. In other words, he didn't have to strive for that one. He called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Uh, And verse 23, and he went up from thence to Beersheba. Beersheba was a place in the south part of Judea. He had been uh, just for the south of that. Look at that verse 25. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. You understand what they're saying? They they just went everywhere digging a well. And then finally in verse 32, and it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here is that God's blessings was upon Abraham. God's blessings were upon Isaac. And every time the enemy would come around and try to cover up those wells and cover them in and, or, or try to just claim them their are ours and muscle themselves in and say, Oh, these are our wells. Isaac would just move on, leave it with them. And God would keep blessing him. He'd say, Okay, to his servants, Oh, we'll dig another well. And when they would, they'd, they'd dig a well. And it would be a spring and water. And it wasn't always spring and water, but many times it was. But the point I'm bringing out to you here is that they kept digging wells, and many times they had to re dig the wells in order to have the water that they needed that they might sustain life. And God's blessings might be upon them. Praise the Lord. So Isaac, we dug these wells. Now, I'm going to go to part three here. Now, the importance of the wells. Look very closely here. They they are a source of life and blessings. The wells, a source of life and blessings. And uh, for Isaac and Abraham and Isaac, if they did not have the wells... The animals they had would not have water and they would die. So the water and the wells were essential for the blessings of God to be fulfilled, to be carried on, and for it to exist, for it to be there. I'm pointing out to you here a very physical thing that happened in the Old Testament because in the spiritual sense, this is what we have today. We have wells of living water springing up on the inside within us. If you'll go to St. John chapter 4 for a moment. St. John chapter 4. I'm sort of uh, jumping ahead just a little bit here, but that's okay. St. John chapter 4. And uh, this is where... I got the wrong John. Hang on a second. All right. 4.10. Jesus answered and said, This is the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said... Unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Jesus had asked her to give me a drink of water. To give me a drink, thou wouldst have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Do you understand that? So that's what we have. Down in verse 13 here, it goes on to say, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of the waters that this water shall thirst again. Verse 14 But whosoever drinketh of the waters that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, that's what God has passed along to us. So, excuse me. (coughs) So what Abraham and Isaac stole for the natural is what you and I have in the spiritual. And just as they had to fight for the wells back then, we have to fight for the spiritual wells and the wells of living waters to keep flowing and keep springing up within our own heart. I'm going to talk to you about that in a few moments. But there is a battle that we have spiritually. As they had it naturally, we have it spiritually. And that spiritual warfare that we have, where we have to keep saying, I'm going to hold on to you, Lord. And sometimes we've got to redo some things. We've got to reestablish some things. We've got to go back to the basics of some things. Praise the Lord. And say, you know what? We've got to rebuild and redig some wells that maybe they've been covered up by the enemy. And they've sort of filled it in a little bit. But we're going to redig it. Praise the Lord. And God is with us in doing it. Praise God. Now. The importance of the wells. I want to go to number three here for a moment. The source of the blessings, the life and blessings of Abraham. Look at B here. The wells were also a source of peace. Now listen to me very closely. I'm going to deviate just a little bit from the normal blessings we're talking about. And I want to talk to you for a moment here about David's experience. I'm going to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 15 and 17. Get a drink of water here. This is a chapter here, this 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel, about David and his mighty men. David had about 30 mighty men with him that helped him to fight his battles. And when everybody everybody was against him, Saul and all of Israel was against him, these mighty men came to David and they said, we're on your side and we're with you. These men became very mighty in God. God used them mightily. So this is in reference to what happened with them. I'm jumping down here on verse 13. Three of the thirty chief went down. This is three of the mighty men now. Three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam. And the troops of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in a hold and a garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. So here's David now. He's fighting the Philistines. But there's too many Philistines to fight. He's in a cave. He's holding up here in a place. But he's outside of Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem is David's hometown. Listen to me carefully on this. Bethlehem is his hometown. That's where he grew up. David grew up in Bethlehem. He knew all about Bethlehem. And here now he's a grown man. And he's fighting the Philistines. And they got a big army, and they've surrounded Bethlehem, and they're inside of Bethlehem. And David is outside of Bethlehem in a cave, and he's trying to look for an opportunity to keep fighting this battle. And here's what happens in verse 15. Look at this closely. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. David just said that. Oh, if I could just have a drink of the water of Bethlehem by that, by the gate, if I could just have a drink of that water. I want to show you here in a moment what David was really talking about, but here's what his wise these mighty men did. Verse 16 and three mighty men. They heard him say that they broke through the hosts of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless. He would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood? In other words, these men sacrificed themselves. They they jeopardized themselves to get this for me. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it these things did these three mighty men he's talking about different mighty men what they had done and what made them very special now what was david really talking about did he really want to drink a water from that well no think stay with me now what david was referring to here when he was all by himself and he was in the heat of this battle he'd been fighting these philistines for days and weeks and months he was weary He was battle weary, folks. And he said, Oh, if I could just have a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. Because that was the well he remembered as a boy, running through the streets of Bethlehem playing. And he'd say, If I could just get to that well and get a good drink of water. And he'd get to that well and he'd drink that water, and oh, it was so refreshing. And then he'd get with the other kids and they'd take off running again and they'd run and they'd play and they'd play up and in the streets and so forth. And way on later on, he'd get thirsty again and said, let's get to the well and get another drink of water. And all his life growing up as a small boy and finally older, later older, he remembered that well was always something very refreshing. It was to him a source of peace. And everything was okay. Now, there are times in our Christian walk with God that we can feel like we're in the heat of the battle, that everything in the world has gone wrong. Things are just upside down. And you think back, Lord, you know, I can remember when things were smooth and when everything was going nice and everything was, seemed like it was uh, no complications and so forth. And you said, oh, if I could just have those days again. It may not be a childhood thing. It may be an adult thing. But you're going through a test or a trial. But it represented peace in your heart, in your soul. And this is really what David was saying when he said, if I could just drink the waters of the wells of Bethlehem, or if I could just be a boy again with no problems, no struggles, no trials, no tests, running through the streets and just get a good drink of that water from that well. I'm pointing out to you here that in the spiritual sense, we all come to that place sometimes. I have been there. I'm sure that if you've lived for God very long, you have been there. Where you felt like, oh, if I could just get another drink of that water from the wells of the Lord that's springing up from the inside. But right now, I'm fighting this battle. I'm fighting that battle. This enemy, this enemy. How long, much longer will I have to deal with this and fight this battle But God is with us and God brought David through that and he will bring you and I through all of these times that we feel like that, Lord, if I could just drink from the well of Bethlehem. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And aren't you glad that God does bring us through? He will not leave us there, but sometimes the well represents and it's a source of peace for us. Praise the Lord. The source of peace. Uh, i'm going to go to part c here part c here it symbolizes the source of spiritual life i've talked to you about that in john (laughs) excuse me i'm sorry sorry about the noise it is the source of the spiritual life and this is what we talked about from john when we read there in john chapter 4 verse 10 and 16 that it symbolizes that it is the spiritual life that we have and so In our spiritual life, sometimes we feel like that if I could just get to that water again, if I could just have the water again that springs up on the inside, that's refreshing, praise the Lord, that I know everything is okay and everything is going to be all right, and God's hand is still with us. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to go to number four here. Look at this closely with me. As with Abraham and Isaac, the enemy will try to destroy the spiritual wells in our lives by enticing us to and I've got A, B, C and D here, to question the Word of God. Hey I want to talk to you about these. Question the Word of God. He'll entice us to try to love the world. He'll try to entice us to exalt ourselves, lift ourselves up, and he'll also try to entice us to quit praying. And, uh, and fasting and worshiping and attending church faithfully. Now, these are things that Satan will entice us to do because what he's trying to do is to fill up our wells. He's like the Philistines. Whenever our backs are turned, he's trying to fill the well up because he doesn't want that well of living waters flowing inside to give you peace, to give you joy, to give you the God's blessings upon your life. So he will begin to do these things in your life. So I want to talk to you number A here. I'm going to A here, question the word of God. Go to Genesis 3, 1 through 3 here for a moment. This is the way Satan operates, folks. This is the way he operates. I want to show you this. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, this is Adam and Eve in the garden. And Satan appears to Eve verse one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, "Yea, hath God said. Now notice here that what he does is to implant a question in her heart about what God has said. Hath God said, Uh in other words, Shouldn't we question what God says? How do you know God's word is true? How do you know it will come to pass? How do you know it will be the way he has said it will be? And he will have you to question the word of God. And so Satan comes to Eve and he says, Hath God said in the day that you you shall not eat of the fruit of this garden, that ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Hath God said? In other words, he wants to get her, first of all, above everything else, to question God. Let me go. Let me just stop right here, folks. One of the first attacks that Satan has on any one of us is to get you to question the word of God. That's why you can always say, thus it is written. That's why Jesus told the devil when he was tempted in the in the wilderness, in the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew. And, and the devil would come to him and tempt him. And he said, it is written. It is written. The word of God says such and such and such. such, such. Four times or three times it is written. And I'm just trying to tell you here, as long as we stay with the word and we are committed to the word and we believe the word, we believe the word. Praise the Lord. I was reading and you read the book of Jonah. Jonah was swallowed, swallowed by a whale. Nowhere in the book of Jonah do you find the word whale. It says big fish. A great fish. I had a guy one time telling me Jonah wasn't swallowed by a whale. It doesn't say that in the whale, man. And I already knew what I already knew that. I all knew everything. I was ahead of him. I said, No, you got to go to the book of Acts to see where it talks about Jonah, and it says Jonah was swallowed by a whale. In that book of Acts, it says that. And Jesus talked about it. Jesus said as as he was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall I be uh, it's three three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus said that. This is the sign that should be given you Pharisees. Jesus said that. So they could go and say, oh, well, there's no way that Jonah could have survived three days in the well. It's true. I know. I mean, you analyze it any way you want to analyze it. But God can do anything, and it's in the word, and Jesus said it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Somebody said to me one time. How do you know the story of adam and eve is real you know how do you know we didn't eat we didn't come from apes and then finally cavemen and all that stuff you know when i was a boy i used to go to sunday school and they talked about adam and eve when i went to school they talked about cavemen we all came from cavemen they all lived in caves it never did make sense to me until i got old enough to realize there was one was one was talking about the bible in sunday school and church and the uh, the school were talking about some history books that somebody had written that didn't even believe in their, in, in Adam and Eve, and uh, so there's the story there, Adam and Eve. Did they really exist? Jesus says that in the beginning it was not so. For in the beginning, God made male and female. In the beginning, God made male and female. Amen. Praise the Lord, and said that the man should leave his wife, cling to his wife, and leave his fam- his family, leave. Man should leave his family and cling to his wife. Now, I'm just telling you that to say that if Jesus believed those things in the Old Testament, I believe them. And so I'm going to say to the devil, get from behind, get from behind. I don't, I'm not going to buy into all of this stuff that they try to tell you out here on the world. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about some of our younger people growing up because they pump that stuff out all the time in these schools and high schools and. And junior high schools and elementary schools about, you know, they just ignore the thing about, about, uh, about God and about the beginning of the human race and all those kind of things. You understand what I'm saying? So I've got to keep my well open. Praise the Lord. I've got to keep redigging it. I've got to keep digging out the old mess that falls into it maybe sometimes. And you've got to help your children and your grandchildren to do the same thing. Help them to fight against that kind of stuff and say, no, the word is true. It will never fail us. It never has. It never will. Praise the Lord. God, praise the Lord, is true to his word. And one of these days, folks, he's coming back and he's coming back soon. It's not very far away. I got a lot to talk to you about that in some of these future lessons that we're going to be talking about. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let me move on here. But I just want to show you here. This is what he said. He questioned God. Verse 2 The woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. Now, notice she said we can eat of the fruit. We can eat of the fruit. But she doesn't say, but of the tree in the midst of the garden, we shall not eat of it. She didn't say that. She said, God said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it unless you die. I'm in the third verse here. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here is that whenever she said God has said, she left a little door open that that's what God has said, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what she believes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Folks, if it's in the book, say, that's what I believe. Don't say, well, that's what our preacher preaches. You know, our preacher preaches this, or our church believes this. No, no, that's what I believe. You understand what I'm saying? I believe you've got to repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name. I believe you've got to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And tongues, speaking in tongues is the evidence of tongues. is is a language. Speaking in a language. And, uh, and that's the evidence of, you know, I believe in holiness. Yeah, that's it's in the book. I believe it. Praise the Lord. It's, it's what I believe. And we have to maintain those things in our own personal life. Not as what the Bible, yeah, the Bible says that, yeah, our church believes that, yeah, yeah, uh, the preacher, I've heard him preach that, yeah. No, no, no. It's what I believe. Praise the Lord. So you and I have to say this is what we believe. This is my well, hallelujah. And I'm going to keep redigging all the garbage and the junk that may come into it out. So I can have the waters that will bring forth the blessings of God in my life and upon the life of my family. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right. I'm going to move on here. He will tempt you to love the world. This is another strategy of Satan. Love the world. And uh, if you'll go with me to uh, 1 John for just a moment. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. This is one of the first scriptures, set of scriptures that I learned when I first got saved. I learned this when I was 16 years old, memorized it. And I did so because an elderly sister in our church says, Brother Myers, this verse of scripture, memorize it and learn it. Don't ever forget it. And I thought, I said, well, okay, she knows she's been around a while. She's telling me that, I'll do it. And I did. And here's what it says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, the folks, the world is out there in all the sin. I mean, we all have to go to work. We all have to pay our bills. And we all have to have have our homes and cars. And we drive around. And we have to obey the law and all that. But I'm talking about the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age. You know, there's all kind of things. There's nightclubs. And there's honky-tonks. And there's... I guess you still call them that. I don't know. And there's bar rooms and there's tattoo parlors. And I could go on and on. All the mess that's out there, you know, for all kind of stuff. The big shouting ball games goes on and on and on, you know. I'm not against playing ball, but uh, that's, that becomes your religion. Why well, you better be, watch out. That's, you're, getting, you're getting some wells filled up in your life. I'm just pointing out these things to you. It says, love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice that. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's the love of God inside of you. It's not there. For all that is in the world, here it is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is exactly what Eve said when the fruit was pointed out to her. Is that it says that she saw it was good to eat, it was good to, it was good to see, look at, and it was good, it was, and it would make one wise. And all three of these things here is what Eve responded to whenever the Satan said to her, you shall not surely die. He lied. And I didn't read that part, but Satan said, you shall not surely die. He's a liar, folks. He's a liar. He may question the word of God to start with, but sooner or later, he's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to you. Everything he says is a lie. He says, That's all he knows how to do is lie. When he opens his mouth, he's going to lie. Praise the Lord. He said to Jesus when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he said, bow down and worship me and I shall give you all the kingdoms of the world. And he doesn't even have the power to do that. He lied. He let Jesus knew he was lying. I can show you over in the book of Daniel five scriptures where it says that God is in control of all the kingdoms of the world god is it i can show it to you i can show you other scriptures in the bible as well i won't go there but i'm just trying to say here the bible says love not the world and the love of the father is not in him now look at verse 16 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world look at verse 17 and the world passeth away and the lust thereof But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Praise the Lord. So if we're going to love the world, we're going to lose out with God and what God has eternally for us. Uh, I have to show you this. This is a scripture that is found in 2 Timothy, verse 4 and 10. This is right at the end of Paul's earthly ministry, the last book that he wrote. And it's toward the end of the last book that he wrote, which was 2 Timothy. And he says this in 10th verse 10, For Demas, Demas was one of his faithful disciples that traveled with him, that went with him, and they evangelized all over the then known world. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Credence to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Now I'm not interested in the other two persons, but he says Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He left Paul. He said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go with you no more. I'm all through. I'm not going to travel. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to live this life no more. I'm, li- I'm out of here, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Thessalonica. That city of Thessalonica still exists today. It's the second largest city in Greece. It's called Thessaloniki today, Thessaloniki. And it in an I rather than an A here. And it's the book of Thessalonians, the book of 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians it's written to the church of thessalonica its the church of thessaloniki or it would be the city of thessaloniki today i've been there my your pastor and i were there several years ago when we were traveling through there uh, on our way to an eastern european conference that we that he had to preach and i was with him traveling and we went to the city and we spent a couple of days there and in the middle in the middle of downtown thessalon uh, Nica, or Thessaloniki today, is a place cut out as about 10 to 12 feet. Like if you go up and cut down, there's a big place a down in the downtown where the old city of Thessalonica was. The city that Paul was there and the city that Demas was there. And we climbed down and went down the stairs and went down on that lower leg so when you're down there you look at the history of this city you understand what i'm saying and over the years it has filled up until the modern city is is high up the lower city and if you can imagine an area that would be three times the size of this auditorium they just had a space about that big and the stones that were in the original city are all still there where the buildings were they're not walls like this they're just they just in rows and you can see the streets in there Shops and how they went in and out. And my son and I were walking through there and he was way over in one part and I was way over here. And we were just walking, looking, just taking it all in. It's very intriguing, very interesting. And all of a sudden it hit me. And I knew the scripture was here. And I said out loud, nobody was around, but I just said it out loud. Demas, you forsook God for This? For this, you left the Lord and gave up your salvation, eternal life for this. And my son's way over there, about from here to the vestibule there. And he said, did you say something, Dad? <laughs> I'm just talking out loud. But it hit me so heavily, so hard. Demas, you gave up eternal life for this. Well, you see... What I was looking at was not what he looked at then. What he looked at then was very much like what people look at today when they see the world. And that's what he was looking at, and he gave up God for that. But that's what that becomes. And that's what this will become one day. It'll be nothing. But folks, eternal life and eternal salvation with jesus christ is going to be forever and ever That's right. praise the lord it'll be the greatest thing that will ever come our way hallelujah but you got to keep on digging the wells you got to get out the dirt all the filth and the stuff all the love of the world you got to get it out don't let anything sometimes people get saved and they start walking with god next thing you know they're doing something they you know they're going some old thing they did back out there you know they're gonna go do. They're gonna go gamble some. No, leave it out there. Leave it there. Oh, I'm gonna smoke a cigarette. No, oh, don't leave it there. Leave it there. Don't ever go back to any of that stuff. I don't care what it is. Just say I'm gonna leave it there. God brought some people out of some men out of pornography. Leave it there. Don't ever mess with that mess ever, ever, ever again. Keep your wells clean. Dig them out. Praise the Lord. Get all that junk out of there because God has got too much for us, too much for us, for us to lose it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me move on here. Praise the Lord. Love not the world. Another one is to exalt ourselves. We have to be careful about getting puffed up within ourselves sometimes. This is not to do with the world and uh, it's not to do with... uh, questioning the word of god sometimes we just all get all puffed up within our own selves now let me give you a scripture for that uh, if you look at first timothy chapter 3 and verse 6 first timothy chapter 3 and verse 6 not a novice lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil he's talking about a person here that uh is in the church and 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 uh, he's telling timothy Be careful to exalt somebody into a high position whenever he's just barely come to the Lord and he's not really uh, got his feet on solid ground yet. not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Pride. Notice that word pride. Now, you can find it all through the scriptures. The Lord said that, you know, if any man humbles himself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up in due time. And so we have to always be careful of that. One of the best scriptures that I, uh, that I know of about pride is found in Proverbs, and that's another scripture that you have there. Proverbs eighteen eighteen. Look at that one with us for a moment. 18 and 19. I'm sorry, I said 18 is 16, isn't it? Yeah, 16. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And if you've got your Bibles, underline that verse of Scripture. Put a ring around it and say, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And we have to be careful that we don't get all proud within ourselves. Folks, that was the sin of Satan. Did you know that? Satan got all lifted up with pride. He got arrogant. He got high-minded. Oh, he wanted to be like God. I can show you over in the, in the scriptures, two places in the scriptures, Isaiah and Ezekiel, both. Where Satan got all lifted up with pride. That's how he lost out with God. And that's what he'll have you and I to do if he can. Oh, no, you're somebody special. You're really, you know, you're really dumb. That's why that we are nothing without the Lord. We are nobodies. Jesus is everything. And don't ever forget it. We breathe our breath because the Lord gave it to us. Amen. I can't say, oh, boy, I don't really something. Oh no, no, no. I could <clears throat> run away and I'm gone, you know. Any one of us could be gone on anything. I'm pointing out to you here that, praise the Lord, we have nothing within ourselves, but we can say, God, everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we will ever be, everything that will ever happen by us, through us, from us, is all because of you, Hallelujah! And we must always give God the praise and the glory and exalt His holy name. Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus. So, this is what the enemy will try to uh, to try to do. He'll try to get you to exalt yourself in Proverbs. Now, going to D here very quickly. Here, D. He wants you to quit praying. He'll try to get you to quit praying, quit fasting. Quit worshiping. Quit attending the church. I'm going to tell you something. Let me just say this for what it's worth here. They've got the coronavirus now out. They're trying to get everybody to get the vaccination, right? I mean, they got the vaccination now is what I meant to say. They want everybody to get the vaccination. If you have a it, go ahead and get it. Don't stay home and say, oh, I'm still going to stay behind closed doors and I'm going to watch everything on television. God bless all you folks that may be watching us on the screen. But can I just say here, nothing beats being in the house of God. And I know that sometimes people are sick. Some people are afflicted. Some people have ailments. There's reasons why some people can't make it. But we who can, let's always be in the house of God. Let's always be in the house of God. Because God will honor it, He has said it in His word, He will bless us, praise the Lord, He'll keep His hand on us, and He'll be with us in all these things. Praise God. I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures here. Uh, one of them is, is, is in First Thessalonians. just a simple verse about prayer, and I can find this is all through the Bible. I'm just using this one. First Thessalonians chapter five. This is that city of Thessalonica, (laughs) incidentally. He was writing this this letter to these people, Thessalonians. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1 Thessalonians, that's the first epistle Paul wrote. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Everybody see that? Pray without ceasing. Now that does not mean pray all the time without stopping it means to have a consistent prayer life pray without ceasing means to have a consistent prayer life establish folks a consistent prayer life every one of you every one of us establish a consistent prayer life find a time you can talk with the lord maybe a couple of times a couple of times a morning in the evening or whatever But a time when you can just talk to the Lord and just talk to God. It may be on your knees. It may be on your face in the carpet. It may be sitting down. It may be standing up walking around. But have a time that you can just talk to God. Praise the Lord. And it's a time that you can just tell the Lord everything and just pour out your heart and soul to him. And if we will have that prayer time, God will bless us. I had a good friend when I first got saved that got saved about the same time I did and we were very good friends i went off to bible school was gone for four years and uh, he moved eventually moved he did a little preaching around and did some things and finally wound up down in miami and i heard that he had quit going to church and was not serving the lord anymore and uh, i was down in miami shortly afterwards and i went out to the job where he was working and uh, he was a he was a builder and uh, he was on some scaffolding up in the, in the living room and up working on the ceiling of that house. And uh, I went there and stood there and said, Hey, we got talking, and chatting, and talking back and forth. I said, Good to see you. We talked back and forth. And I said, I hear that you have quit serving God and you don't go to church anymore. And he said, That's true. He never looked at me. I said, What made you lose out with the Lord? I called him by name. What made you lose out with the Lord? He turned. He stopped working on the ceiling, turned and looked at me. And he said, Ellis, I quit praying. I quit praying. I don't have no other excuse but to say I quit praying. Now, let me just say this to all of us here. What he was really saying was that I got so busy, I didn't have time to pray. I just got so busy, I didn't think I had time to pray. We can all get into that mode. And when we quit praying, we start losing ground. And the well starts getting filled up. Junk and dirt and everything else. The next thing you know, we're not even saved. He began to abandon things that he was doing, standards holding his places. He wouldn't go now. He was going to them until next thing you know, he's back in the world again. So you and I, as our, as Christians, as in our walk with God, we have to keep the wells, amen, clean. We got to throw out all the garbage and the trash and everything. And we've got to be faithful in those things that quit praying, fasting, worshiping. Keep on worship. Folks, when you come to church, let's worship God. I know sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you're weary. Sometimes you just don't feel like worshiping. That's when you do worship. When you don't feel like worship, you feel like everything is upside down and that has been a crazy world out there today and everything happened wrong on the job or in the home and the kids did this and all, blah, 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 on and on and on. And you come to church and you said, man, I'm just barely here. I squeaked in through the doors and I'm sitting on the back row and I'm just barely here. And everybody ought to be glad I'm here. No, no. You say to yourself, I'm here to worship God. And I don't know what's going to happen when I go out of here, but for now, I'm going to worship God. And just lift your hands up, praise the Lord, and say, Jesus, I love you, and I praise you, and I magnify your name. And don't let the well of worship be filled up with a bunch of garbage and trash and earth and sand and everything else. But you keep on praising God and worshiping the Lord. Go to church. And when you're not in church, have a prayer time, amen, that you can pray morning or evening or whatever, and then go to church every time the church doors are open. Praise God. And God will not fail us. He'll be faithful to us, and he'll bless us, and he'll keep his hand on us. I'm going to move on here. Amen. Also, attending church, I've talked to you about that. Uh, one of the scriptures here I want to look at, Hebrews 10, and this is the one about church attendance. Uh, I think it's verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It says it right in the word. Okay, we're going to believe the word. Let's stay with the book. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some of them had already quit going to church, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Praise the Lord. What day? The coming of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Now, let me move on very quickly here because my time is getting away. Verse 5. Look at this very quickly here. This is what we are hearing a lot about today. God bless this younger generation that's trying to get deeper in God. God bless them. I wish there was a bunch of young people here right now that I could just say that all to. God bless these young people that are trying to get deeper in God. And they're trying to help us to do the same. They really are. They're praying. They're fasting. They're sacrificing. They're trying to grow deeper in the Lord. What they're trying to do is to redig those wells that they've seen. They get pushed in and covered up and trashed up and everything else. So note an ongoing, oncoming generation of believers must sometimes redig the wells of truth and salvation. And we as individuals must do the same. So they've got to do it, we've got to do it. So you've got to redig the wells and so forth. And uh, I've got about five minutes. I'm not going to dwell long on this, but just A and B here very quickly, and we're going to wrap this up. The kings of Judah were sometimes careless in their commitment to God. Let me just tell you <clears throat> what would happen here. You'd have a king of Judah who would be a good king and he'd say, uh, let's keep sacrificing at the temple and let's keep on worshiping God in Jerusalem. And uh, this was in Judah, uh, Israel had divided up into the northern kingdom, southern kingdom, northern kingdom being Israel, southern kingdom being Judah. And the southern northern kingdom was they got way out of way out of line from God. And they finally went into captivity in 721 B.C., that southern kingdom, Judah. However, they'd have a king that would come along and he would say, let's keep on offering sacrifices and let's keep on worshiping God. But he would do nothing about the wickedness that was going on on the back places. The, the, the prophets of the groves and the prophets of Baal and, and uh, some of this weird stuff that they had going on, the wizards and the sorcerers and fortune tellers and all that weird stuff they just let it exist let it go oh let it go on it won't hurt nothing and they would tolerate it but once in a while after several of those kings you'd have a king that would come along and he'd say nope we're going to get back to basics and get rid of this kind of stuff and he was one of those kind that would dig out the wells and one of them of course was uh was uh was was uh hezekiah and i'm looking here at second kings chapter 18 chapter 18 look at 18 1 with me now it came to pass in the third year of hosea the son of ella king of israel that he, that hezekiah the son of ahaz king of judah began to reign and at verse 3 and he did that which was right in the sight of the lord according to all that david his father did verse 4, and he removed the high places look at that Not just saying, let's just keep the temple in shape and stored and keep it running and operating efficient. But he said, let's go beyond that. He removed the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For into those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he called it Neshetan. Verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord, <coughs> not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went, and he went forth. And I'm just pointing out to you here that everything that this man did, God blessed him. And God blessed Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was able to restore judah back in favor with god and when those assyrians came down against uh, israel the northern kingdom and took them and conquered them they tried to go against judah and the lord said hezekiah because you have gotten judah on the right track and you've gotten rid of all of that sorcery stuff out of the land and you've gotten rid of that stuff and can I just say it this way, you've re-dug the wells and got it clean and clear again, praise the Lord. I'm going to bless you and the Assyrians will never conquer you. And Isaiah was the prophet and he went to Hezekiah and he says, stand against them. God's going to give you the favor. We're going to be victorious. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the truth of God? God is great and great to be praised. Praise the Lord. Folks, we have the greatest thing in the world. And whenever a little bit of dirt and trash starts getting in your wells of living waters, throw it out. Get rid of it. Cast it out and say, I'm going to serve God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. (laughs) Let's stand together and praise God and glorify his name. You've been a great audience tonight. God love you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much today. Thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your kindness, your mercy to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you give us, Lord, that we can stay in truth and never waver to the right or the left. Thank you, Jesus, for all things, Lord. Help us to keep digging out the wells, God, and keep that fresh spring and water springing up from within. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody, you're... You're dismissed in his name. Amen. God bless you.